When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode number 68 of the podcast. And today, we are going to preview the San Francisco 49ers 2022 wildcard matchup against the Dallas Cowboys, including can the Niners defense slow down the high-powered Cowboys offense? Should we be worried about the Cowboys defense? They're pretty takeaway prone. And can Kyle Shanahan finally overcome a Dan Quinn defense? We have an injury report from yesterday. Still waiting on today's injury report, that being Friday, January 14th. But the injury report from yesterday, limited in practice. Aziz Alshire, John Lynch said he should and is expected to play Sunday against the Cowboys. A big player to get back, likely going to start on Sunday, Marcel Harris, Achilles, a depth piece, may or may not play. Talanoa Hufanga has a knee injury. Uh, he tried to play against the Rams, got hurt early in that game, and did not come back. So still waiting on his status. Elijah Mitchell has a knee injury. He will play the same knee injury that's kind of been nagging all year. Jaquiski Tart looked good, uh, but he does have a groin injury, limited in practice. And arguably the biggest, the biggest player we get back is Trent Williams. Trent Williams said, I am going to play on Sunday, whether it's a brace or a couple of needle shots to the elbow, I am going to play on Sunday. So Trent Williams is back for San Francisco. But before we get into all of the you know the, the nitty-gritty, the key matchups, all the Niners-Cowboys stuff, we do have um, some housekeeping. One, the NFL announced their all-pro teams this morning, in fact, and the Niners had just two players on it. But I want to congratulate those two players. First is Trent Williams. Yes, Trent Williams, for the first time in his entire NFL career, was named to the first team All-Pro team. So congratulations, Trent. You are the NFL's highest rated player per PFF. It is well-deserved, and I cannot believe it is only the first time in his career being named to an All-Pro team. The other is Debo Samuel. Uh, who, why else would he not be on there? He's been one of the best offensive weapons in the league this year. Uh, he is arguably the most versatile player offensively in the National Football League, so well-deserved there for Debo. Only 25, going to turn 26 soon. A bright career ahead of him. Likely going to get that bag this offseason. Going to get paid big money. But then one player who was left off was Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa. This year, who has really surpassed expectations after coming off the ACL injury, he had he wasn't an All Pro selection. He was fifth in voting in edge rushers. Max Crosby beat out Nick Bosa. I don't know who's voting on this stuff, but 
Nick Bosa not being an All-Pro, even if it's second-team All-Pro for what it's worth, like, that's still a good accomplishment. He wasn't even second-team All-Pro. Man, I I just don't know how you overlook Nick Bosa as an All-Pro, whether it's first-team or second-team, whatever it may be. Uh, Nick Bosa is an elite, top-tier talent, not just edge rusher, but talent in general in the league. And the fact that he was not rewarded... Uh, for being an All-Pro, following a, a complete tear of the ACL, a massive reconstruction surgery, and he's come back and looks even better than he did. He's being double-teamed, triple-teamed every single week, and he wasn't an All-Pro. Uh, you might want to question how that voting process works. But the other thing we have to talk about is the San Francisco Niners doing good by their players. Now, in 2019, uh, the Niners... Because the season they had, they felt pretty generous. They were giving out uh, any incentive-based deals they had. So Sherman, uh, Richard Sherman, who obviously was, was had a great year in 2019, he did not reach his incentives in his contract. The Niners gave that out and said, look, you had a great year for us. They paid him anyways. Uh, that's what makes this organization a top tier. Every single player who comes here says, I love playing for the Niners. Um, and Arden Key also discussed that that this past week in his press conference, but the Niners gave Lake and Tomlinson a $264,000 bonus, which is the equivalent to an extra game check. Uh, Tomlinson has played 64 straight games for San Francisco, so kudos to the Niners and Lake and there's no one more deserving. He has been, out of all the injuries in 2020, some in 2019, even some this year, Tomlinson has not missed a single game uh, even when you thought he could miss time, Tomlinson was out there on the field grinding out, knowing how important every single game was this year for San Francisco. But now, the moment, the game, the time, the topic we've all been waiting for, it is the San Francisco 49ers against the Dallas Cowboys at AT&T Stadium in the wild card round. I am, I am pumped. I think every Niner fan is just pumped pumped. All the history between these teams, the catch with Montana and Clark, T.O. Uh, in the star in the middle of the field. It, there's so much history just on San Francisco's side, and I haven't even mentioned Dallas's side yet. This is a, a rivalry that really has not been existent for roughly 20-ish years, or past 2008, really, 2007, really. But this is going to be a rivalry renewed. Uh, this is the first time either one of these teams will have played in the playoffs since the 1994 NFC title game. Uh, you talk about a long time uh, not playing one of your most hated rivals. Uh, this Sunday is going to be a matchup pretty much 20 plus years in the making. This Sunday will also be the first ever playoff game played between at least or two teams that have at least five Super Bowl wins. Like, we're witnessing history again. Now again, if the Niners win, Niners lose, whatever it may be. Hopefully they win, obviously. But even if they lose, we are still going to witness a matchup that has two of the NFL's not just top tier elite teams in regards to right now, but we're also going to witness history of the NFL in regards to championships, 
uh, 20 plus years of rivalry, some of the most hated rivals in the NFL, the NFC, uh, Montana, Young, Aikman, there's Romo to a certain point, like there is so much history here, uh, and it's kind of all culminating in the wild card game this week, and it's it's going to be so much fun, so much fun to watch, and I want to talk about the Niners in the playoffs, because this this team is interesting because I think many of us can say, well, we can go out there and we can, you know, play bully ball and smack this Cowboys team in the face, or we can look like how we did against the Rams in that first half, being consistent. Jimmy throws one or two picks. We fumble once. The defense kind of falls apart because Dallas is a really good football team. But I want to point out that the Niners have not gone one and done in the playoffs in 20 years. 20 years they have not gone one and done in the playoffs. The last time they did go one and done in the playoffs uh, was in the wild card game against the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field when they lost 25-15, to again, 20 years ago, in 2000. 2002, that's insane stuff. Now, albeit there hasn't been many playoff appearances <laughs> in 20 years, Despite the Harbaugh years and some Garcia years, there really hasn't been many. There's been two with Garoppolo, this being the second one. But still, when you get there, this Niners team has been at least efficient enough to win one game in the playoffs. Uh, and it also helps that this Cowboys team we're playing on Sunday is 1-4 against playoff teams that are not the Philadelphia Eagles this year. Now, I don't know about you, but... Just that small tidbit of a stat does get me maybe a little more confidence going into Sunday's matchup against the Cowboys. And another big question before we get into this Cowboys offense, how can we stop it? Uh, The Niners and their fans, the faithful, us, the impact we had against the Rams at SoFi Stadium really made that Levi Stadium South uh, the impact we had, it looks like that may carry over. Uh, per tick pick, <laughs> uh, 18% of ticket sales from the Niners and Cowboys game thus far are coming from California. Now, AT&T Stadium has roughly 110,000 seats. Um, that's a lot of freaking red. And that's not you know, the entirety of how many you know, fans are Niners there. There are Niner fans in Dallas. There are Niner fans in Arizona and in all of Texas and Oklahoma. Like, there are plenty, plenty of red is going to be at that stadium. And you talk about traveling well. We traveled to Washington well, Seattle, Cincinnati, Jacksonville. Like, this Niners faithful, this Niners brand travels extremely well. And it looks like with the Dallas Cowboys saying, we're going to have a whiteout at the stadium... Uh, that red is going to pop on Sunday. You talk about an opportunity for the faithful to once again show why they are one of, if not the best, fan bases in football. Uh, this Sunday is definitely, and looks like it will be an example of the red and gold showing up at least one more time this year for their team. But let's talk about the opponent. Uh, the there's a game to be played still, no matter how many fans show up, no matter how many stats I read off of how important the game is, you have to play the game. All week has been the Cowboys talking about, well, how is San Francisco is a bad matchup for us? Well, the game still has to be played, and they're right. 
games on paper do not count. That's just the way it goes. Like, you can have all the stars in the world. Look at the Los Angeles Lakers. They got LeBron and Westbrook and AD and all the other stars. You have to play the game. And on Sunday, the Niners are playing one of, and arguably, at least from a stats perspective, one of the greatest offenses in NFL history. Now, let me explain. The Cowboys are the first team in NFL history to feature a 4,000-yard passer in Dak Prescott, a 1,000-yard rusher in Ezekiel Elliott, a 1,000-yard receiver in CeeDee Lamb. Now go to the defense, a player with 10-plus sacks in Micah Parsons, and a player with 10-plus interceptions in Trevon Diggs. We are playing from a star potential stats, statistical analysis point of view, one of the best teams in the league. One of the best teams in the league. And for San Francisco, sticking with the offense, with the Dallas Cowboys, they are also one of the most explosive teams in the NFL. You do not get 4,000 yards passing, 1,000 yards rushing, and 1,000 yards receiving by being a non-explosive team. The Dallas Cowboys are the fourth. They ranked fourth in the NFL with 63 completions of 20-plus yards. That is explosiveness to a T. That shows you that they're going to want to push the ball, gain big chunks of yards, may not be the most efficient, and I'll get into how San Francisco can limit the Dallas Cowboys offense. But starting off here, I do want to make a point that this is going to be a tough matchup, just from at least the standpoint of the Dallas Cowboys are going to want to hit big play after big play after big play. And it doesn't help that the Niners' defense is 30th in defending the deep pass, thus 20-plus yards, 20-plus air yards. The Cowboys, in their strength, is pushed to the moon because that is the exact same weakness of the Niners. So where does this all start? If the Niners can't guard the deep pass, Dallas is going to want to exploit the deep pass, and the person throwing the deep pass is obviously Dak Prescott. But I want to kind of tell you and maybe give you some more confidence going into Sunday against the team that has so many stars, so many uh, statistical uh, milestones they have reached. Dak Prescott in his entire career against the NFC East, he's 25-6. and six. Dak Prescott against everybody else is 28-26. and 26. He's definitely been helped by a weaker division he plays in. Now, flip that somewhat against San Francisco. Dak Prescott is 2-0. He has five touchdown passes, no interceptions, and a rating of 123.4. <laughs> that is the second highest against any NFC team. Now, Dak Prescott did not play the Niners last year. And before that, they were playing trash Niner teams. Like, this was not 2019 San Francisco. This was not even 2021 San Francisco. The Dak Prescott teams he was playing were, you know, Chip Kelly, Tom Sula, early Kyle Shanahan. Like, these were not, uh, th- those teams were not this team. This Those teams were not even 2018 San Francisco. Like, 
the way this Niners team has flipped and changed and maneuvered and made improvements and drafted well and changed schemes, uh, Dak Prescott's not playing, you know, Fred Warner and Demeco Ryan's defense, Nick Bosa. He's just not. So those stats are somewhat misleading. You might see those stats and go, oh, he's 2-0 against us. I don't want you to fall down that rabbit hole. But I do want to give Prescott his due. Dak Prescott and Aaron Rodgers are the only quarterbacks to have 4,000-plus yards, 35 touchdowns, and 10 or fewer interceptions this year. Now, you can say, well, Sterling, you're going back and forth. You're telling me good stats or telling me bad stats. It's because I want you to get the full picture. Dak Prescott is a really, really, really good quarterback. He is top 10 in the league. He can beat you with his arm. He can beat you with his legs. He's poised in the pocket. He knows how to evade pressure. He knows how to extend plays and get the ball in to his star player's hands. But here's where I want to show you there has been some discrepancy as to who Prescott was earlier in the year and who he's been later in the year. Now, I want to make one thing clear. I do want to take out Week 18. The Dallas Cowboys were playing against backups in Philadelphia. Philadelphia was resting their starters. They had already clinched the playoff spot. Week 17, I guess Week 18, is rather irrelevant to me. That was a gimme game for Dallas. I'm not going to count it. So Dak Prescott, before the bye week, his averages were Dallas was 5-1. He had a 73 comp percentage averaging 302 yards per game, roughly 2.7 touchdowns a game, was only sacked 1.3 times a game, and had a 1.2 turnover rate. Really good numbers. Really good numbers. But then you look at Dak Prescott week 9 to week 17, it's a little different of a story. Yes, they were 5-2. and two. Still a good record. I think any team would say you give me 5-2 and two to end the year. It's pretty good. But his comp percentage dropped from 73% to 65%. Yards per game dropped to, from 302 to 260. Touchdowns dropped almost an entire touchdown per game from 2.7 to 1.8. He was sacked almost an entire sack more. 1.3 increasing to 2.2 and a turnover rate increasing from 1.2 to 1.6. So what am I saying? I'm saying that Dak Prescott, despite all the stats he's had, despite all the accomplishments he has made this year, there has been, even though week 9 through week 17, and you can even add week 18 if you want to, Dak Prescott was really good. There's no doubt those stats are still really good, by far. But there was a decline in who Dak Prescott was. There was someone who was turning the ball over a little more, wasn't scoring as much, wasn't completing as many passes as he was, and wasn't as efficient. That's just the plain truth. Now, you can argue with drop passes and stuff. I get that. But since Dak Prescott returned from injury, he missed their bye week, and he also missed their game against Minnesota. Hence, why we started week nine for his second half of the year, the Cowboys have the most drop passes in the NFL with 19 and have allowed the third most pressures, 113 since Dak returned. If you're asking me, has has Dak Prescott been an elite quarterback at times this year? Yes. But since coming back from the injury, post-Minnesota 
week eight matchup from week nine to week 17, Dak Prescott has struggled. Entirely not his fault. Receivers drop passes, right? Not his fault entirely. And his offensive line has struggled at times. We we see the stats and we can go, wow, this Cowboys team is really good. And don't get me wrong, they won the NFC East for a reason. We're having to travel to AT&T Stadium for a reason. But there are ways to beat this Dallas team. Again, the stats might say that Tyrone Smith has a 2.39 pressure rate, which ranks second amongst tackles. That's true. Connor Williams, their guard, has a 2.28 pressure rate, which is third amongst guards. Really good numbers. But as a whole, as a unit, the Dallas Cowboys have allowed the third most pressures since week 9, 113. There are things to look at in this game to go, well, with Bosa being triple teamed every single game, or at least double teamed, likely on Sunday against Dallas, Eric Armstead playing on the inside now, playing arguably his best ball he's ever played in San Francisco this late into the season, then DJ Jones wrecking house in the run game, then you add an Arden Keys having his best career year of all time. I mean, and I haven't even mentioned Ebukam and, and Warner and even some safety blitzes that Ryan's likes to use, or Kalen Williams in the nickel blitz. Like, there are a lot of things to look at and go, we can get to Dak Prescott. We can beat this Cowboys offensive line. We can exploit them, put pressure on Dak, and make him, you know, throw or propel his 1.6 turnover rate late into the year. We can sack Dak two, two and a half times a game. We can exploit what Dallas likes to do offensively. And what's the one way you stop those 20-yard passes, those 20, you know, 20 plus yard big plays? You put pressure on the quarterback and you bring him to the ground. That is, Dallas has struggled with that stuff. Despite the big plays, lately, second half of the season, they have struggled protecting Dak Prescott. And when you rattle the quarterback, we saw, and I'm not comparing Stafford to Prescott, but we saw once San Francisco got into the backfield against the Rams, put pressure on Stafford, he had two picks, he was sacked a lot of times, they had 13 pressures in the second half alone. This Niners team, and they were playing one of the best offensive lines in football, who wasn't giving up that many pressures like Dallas is in the second half of the year. I am fairly confident that this team can get to Dak Prescott or at least put pressure on him to have to run out of the pocket and make big plays himself, which, of course, can only help your defense. But the other side of this is the running game. Ezekiel Elliott had 1,000 yards this year. He beat it by two yards. He had 1,002 yards. And the whole conversation has been, how can you stop Zeke? Well, I... I'm not going to lie to you, I, I'm really not that impressed with who Zeke has been. I'm really not. And Dallas is comfortable just slinging it 40 times a game. They, they don't mind doing that. Which is why I don't put too much into Zeke on the ground, exactly. Um, the Niners have a top-run defense in football since their bye week. Granted, it was an earlier bye week, so there's been more games to look at and go, wow. And they haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher since Seattle game in Seattle. So 
They've improved immensely since then. But Zeke this year, again, from weeks 12 to 17, he's only averaging 36.7 yards a game and 3.2 yards an attempt. That's lackluster. That's not great by any means. And in fact, if you're asking me, of Dallas's running back room, who's a bigger um, X-factor? Who's someone you're more worried about? I'm going to say Tony Pollard simply because he's more explosive. He can beat you in many other ways than just running the ball, pounding the rock. Now, Pollard this year, in only 130 attempts, again, small sample size, 719 yards, that's 5.5 yards per attempt, almost, and actually is, 2.3 yards more than Zeke. I'm more worried about Tony Pollard and his efficiency on the ground. And the fact is that he's been really good from weeks 12 to 17. Six yards per attempt, 13 receptions in that time. Granted, that's not a big number, but what he does with the ball is the difference here. He's averaging 6.5 yards per catch. So pretty much, Tony Pollard, every time he gets the ball, is averaging 6 plus yards. If I'm Dallas, I would rather feed Pollard than Elliott. Elliott has struggled late in the year. He has a thousand yards. Whoop-dee-doo. To quote Austin Powers, whoop-dee-doo, Basil. Who cares? I'm more worried about Tony Pollard. He's more explosive, he's more efficient, and he can beat you in the run game and the passing game. To put it to you this way, the Dallas Cowboys, in their yards per catch, okay, Yards after the catch per reception. Their yak per reception. CeeDee Lamb is 5.6. That ranks third. Elliott is second, 5.9. Tony Pollard ranks first on the Cowboys in yak per reception of 8.7. Almost three yards more than their second place running back slash receiver. If you're asking me, Who's the one guy you're really worried about? Yeah, they have Lamb and Cooper and all respect to those guys. Dalton Schultz out there. There is no doubt they want to pass the ball. But the one player we cannot neglect because he's running back number two is Tony Pollard. He is more explosive than Zeke. If you're going to pressure Dak Prescott, who's the one guy who's going to get the ball? It's Tony freaking Pollard. Again, I'm telling you, he's one guy you have to look out for. And that's why having Al Shire back and Greenlaw healthy and Warner healthy helps. This is where guys like that, who are great in pass coverage, uh, don't mind guarding the, the, the running back, have great instincts in pass coverage like Al Shire, like Greenlaw, like Warner, this is where they come into play. How can they limit Pollard? And also, I need to make one point here. Um... Drake Greenlaw is a very physical linebacker. He wants to rip rip face masks and and try to pick you up and toss you on the ground. Uh, I love that physicality. And again, there's a limit here, right? You can't cross a line and have there be a penalty. But there's a limit as to how far you can go with it. But against Tony Pollard, who wants to lower his head, knock you down, he has speed. I'm looking for a Drake Greenlaw-esque physical style of football style of defense. That's how you that's how you attack someone like Pollard. If he wants to lower his head, well I'm gonna lower mine too. 
bang them. I'm not saying hurt somebody. That's not what I'm doing here. What I'm saying is lower your head. If he wants to go at you hard, do what Samuel did to Jalen Ramsey. If Ramsey wants to try to knock you on the ground, you knock him on the ground too. That, that, that's as simple as it goes. Play 2005, 2000s style of defense. I'm not saying hurt someone by any means. Be healthy. I want no one to get hurt ever. But in a game like this where you know the Dallas is saying we're playing bully ball, we have bullies here, and Kittle's saying it's a body bag style of game, well, no offense, Dallas. You're a really good team. We are experts in bully ball. And the only way you're going to bully us is if somehow you come to our level. And we, and we have guys like Greenlaw and Alshire and Warner and, 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 and Ward and Tart who want to play bully ball. But here's the key. With guys like Pollard, CeeDee Lamb, you have to secure the tackle. How many times this year has Hufanga gone for a tackle, a big hit, and whiffed? Then it's 15 yards later for a touchdown or 15 yards for a big gain. You can't do that. You can't arm tackle either. You have to secure tackles. Hit him with the body. Gang tackle. Swarm. That's the mentality defensively, right? You have to swarm this Dallas team or they will hurt you over and over and over again. They want the big play and the way they do that is through yak. And like I said earlier, the Niners defense is ranked 30th in DVOA in defending deep passes. Passes over 20 plus air yards. The Cowboys offense is 4th in the league with 63 completions of 20-plus air yards. Now, if you're asking me again, which I think you're listening, so you are, (laughs) I am worried about Ambry Thomas. Don't get me wrong. What Ambry did last week was awesome. For a young player to do what he did, get the INT to seal the game, awesome. But, how many times have we seen him beaten deep? A lot. Now, there have been progressions. He has learned, but despite playing so well as of recent, you're in a Kellen Moore offense who wants to push the ball, up-tempo, pass, 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 and hopefully every single play get big chunk plays. This Dallas team is not going to want to waste time. They want to score quick, and they want to score often. If I'm Dallas, I am targeting... Ambry Thomas. You have guys like Cooper, who is a vet, been in the league eight years. You got guys like Lamb, who love to get yak. But Thomas, an undersized corner, and Dak, a quarterback, who, again, wants to post the ball. I I am looking at Ambry Thomas in this game, and I'm saying, despite what you did last week, I'm a little worried. Not because I don't trust him, but because he's young, and any offense can see that, okay, look, we've seen you get beat against the Falcons a couple times on jump balls and the Bengals. And if you want to say, well, that's different, Sterling. It's three or four weeks ago. He's looked better since then. I get it. I get it. Don't get me wrong. But if I'm Dallas, like, there are two perspectives here. It's not just, well, Thomas looks really good. No, no, no. Thomas does look a lot better. But it's the fact that he's playing against Amari Cooper. Like, Odell Beckham is not Amari Cooper. Like, Odell Beckham is not CeeDee Lamb. Like, Odell Beckham is not on their level anymore. He's playing against better talent. 
He played the Texans and he played the Rams. The Rams' offense is really good. No disrespect, but Avery Thomas does worry me. I have no idea how well Tart's groin is going to hold up. Jimmy Ward got beat twice last week against Cooper Cup. Now, Cups is the best route runner in football, by far. But Lamb isn't no slouch, <laughs> and neither is Cooper. Like, Cooper is phenomenal, and including their depth per target is over 10 yards each. Lamb, 10.3 yards. Cooper, 11 yards. And if the Niners have to continue to play soft zone, that's going to be an issue. We've seen this defense play soft zone the majority towards the end of the year. Limit big plays, right? And that will work to a certain degree, but with a team like Dallas, who loves to get yak, and their receiver, uh, like CeeDee Lamb, who's averaging almost 14 yards per reception, you cannot give them those big chunk plays. You can't give them 6-7 free yards. You just can't do it. And in a game like this, it does worry me. Because, again, you're playing CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. Cooper's averaging 12 yards per reception, Lamb almost 14. These guys are getting first downs almost every single time they touch the ball. And if you're giving them free yards, it's a big yikes. And unfortunately, once they get past the corner, that kind of is almost end game for our Niners defense. And if Ward's going to do what he did last week, and I don't know how much COVID affected his play. Very well could have. We saw K1 didn't play last week. Maybe Ward was still feeling some effects from that. Again, you get weaker. You kind of wear your body down. Maybe that's the case. Maybe that's why you give up two big chunk plays to Cooper Cup. I don't know. But this Sunday, we're playing one of the most prolific, high-powered passing offenses in football. Soft zone is only going to work part of the time, you're going to have to body someone up. And that's not what this team has done. So we have to hope, we have to hope that the Cowboys continue to struggle with pressures. And if you're going to run soft zone the entire time, Cooper's going to eat you alive. Cooper is fourth in football since 2018 in slant routes run. Fourth, just behind Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup. Like, Cooper Cup is an amazing slant runner. We saw Adams beat this team in week three with slant route, slant route, slant route. Cooper Cup will do, oh, excuse me, Amari Cooper will do the exact same thing. Soft zone is not going to work the entire time. You're going to have to have, you know, guys playing in that second level of the defense because Dallas will, again, eat you alive. But I want to flip things here. How can San Francisco do the same thing to Dallas? I talked about how good Dallas's offense is, where they struggle with the pressures and the sacks, and Dak really not having a complete season um, from where he started to where he came back after the injury. There have been two different Dak Prescotts, albeit still too good and at one point elite Dak Prescott. I told you how Tony Pollard worries me. But I want to talk about how this Dallas defense is a little misleading into where they rank. So, in DVOA, which is pretty much a more analytical ranking for defenses, a more precise ranking for defenses, in yards allowed, they're 21st in football. That stinks. In explosive play percentage allowed, 28th in football. 
that sucks. But somehow, they're ranked second in DVOA. Let me explain. The only reason why they can allow the 21st ranked yards per play allowed and allow the 28th most explosive yards per play allowed is because they ranked number one in takeaways. This Dallas defense is not good. But where they are great at, and in fact, they stink. This Dallas defense stinks. But where they are great at, what offsets all the bad things they do is their ability and their knack to get takeaways. Again, this Dallas defense is not great. But their ability to get interceptions and fumbles, that negates all the bad things they do. And so I want to talk about where this game is really going to be played. And I'll get into, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo and Debo Samuel soon. But I want to talk about where this game is truly played. And just like it was against Dallas, or excuse me, the Rams, the same thing goes for this week against Dallas. This game is going to be won in the trenches. I already talked about how this Dallas team has given up 113 pressures in the second half of the season. It's not good. That's awful. That rings fourth. That's awful. And this Niners offensive line against this Dallas defense is going to have their hands full just like it did against Von Miller and Aaron Donald. Now, we know Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons, congrats to him. He was the only rookie on the All-Pro team this year. Congratulations. You were great. He played linebacker. He played defensive end. He played all around the defense this year. He was great. He had 67 pressures. 14 sacks, 14 quarterback hits, 39 hurries, 30 tackle for losses, and 3 forced fumbles. And let me remind you, he spent the majority of his time as an edge rusher on the left side of the offense. Now, that does not mean he was lined up against left tackle Trent Williams the majority of the time. No, no. That is from a defensive perspective, meaning he was lined up against what will be Tom Compton on Sunday. Now, Tom Compton, I believe, had a 91 PFF grade against the pass this year. Phenomenal. That's great stuff. That is the highest of right tackles. Insane that he stepped in from a glinchy. Tom Compton, of all the trash he got early when he came in from a glinchy against Jacksonville and against Seattle, and all the issues that we thought they would have, and even did have early, uh, the right side of the offensive line has picked up immensely. And while he's played very well, uh, when you have a player across from you who has 67 pressures and 14 sacks, and has 39 quarterback hurries, that leaves a lot of room for concern. But let's be clear. You cannot have a quarterback pressure, or a sack, or a hurry, or a hit, if you are running the ball effectively. The Cowboys' run defense this year has given up 14 run plays of at least 20-plus yards this season. That is the third worst in football. The third worst in the league. That ranks 30th. The Niners this year, their running offense has 53 explosive plays this year. That ranks 8th. 
if you're asking me how you beat this Dallas's defense, it's Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel, and even if Trey Sermon's back, even if Jamichael Hasty's healthy, can we just please get Jeff Wilson pounding the frickin' ball in the mouth of that Dallas defense? Now, Wilson, reports came out, he did have some knee flare-up. Wasn't big, but there was a reason why he didn't play against the Rams. Okay, fine. But if he's healthy on Sunday, and you want someone who is a physical running back, who is not afraid to get his hands dirty, to lower his head, to run in the mouth of the defense, that, my friend, is Jeff Wilson Jr. Now, this Cowboys run defense, their average rushing DVOA, again, ranking, (laughs) of opponents has only been 23rd. So their best rushing offense they played since the bye week was number 23. Not great, right? They played Washington a few times, played the Eagles once, they played the Saints without Alvin Kamara. They really didn't play any good run offenses. And against those teams, they ranked 19th. Again, not very good. The Niners, again, this season finished 5th in run DVOA. Dallas ranked 19th against the 23rd ranked run offenses. If you're asking me, how do you limit guys like Micah Parsons? It's do what San Francisco does best. Play physical, bully ball, run the ball, control the clock, game management style of offense. The Dallas Cowboys can't be explosive on offense if they aren't touching the ball. Like, this is a game where if you want to play keep away, be healthy. Lower your helmet. Get Kittle and Debo and and Mitchell and Wilson involved early. Let this offensive line do what it's done all year. This is the game. You want to shut Dallas up? Run the ball down their throat. They have shown the inability to stop the run all year, even against bad running offenses. Not to mention, their secondary sucks against the run as well. This is not just front seven run defense struggles. Per PFF, the Dallas Cowboys secondary. Trevon Diggs ranks 81st out of 82 cornerbacks. He's the second worst cornerback against the run. Anthony Brown ranks 47th, a little better, out of 82 cornerbacks. Jordan Lewis ranks 70th out of 82 cornerbacks against the run. Their safeties. Out of 64 safeties, Jaron Curse ranks 26th. That's not that bad, but it's about a half of the league that's better than him. On the other side, DeMonte Casey, he ranks 51st. This Dallas team cannot stop the run. And if you get into the second and third layer of the defense, they can't do any better and in fact are worse. This is a game where San Francisco can control the clock, run the ball, have explosive run plays, and rely on Jimmy Garoppolo to do practically nothing. Where does he work best? Short yardage, third down plays. Give me the the six yard out, the four yard slant. Give me a first down, keep the clock moving while the rushing attack carries the offense. 
there is, like, if you're looking for the perfect game plan, this is it. And this game entirely favors San Francisco, at least from weakness to strength in regards to Dallas and San Francisco. Dallas this year, to prove and push this point home even more, even more so than I already have, Dallas has allowed 11 of their last 12 opponents to rush for 100 yards. Folks, of all the emotion of this year, of all the, you know, is Jimmy going to play? Is it can't play? He can't push the ball down the field. He can't throw outside the pocket. They don't need to do any of that. Any of it. This is literally ground and pound. And you should, if you can do it effectively and efficiently like the Niners have proven to be doing all year, they should be able to play a Niner brand of football against Dallas. And if you're looking for maybe a magic number here, you know, well, well what's the magic number of to how many touches they need to have or, or, or you, know, you know, how many times they have to run the ball? The Niners are 7-2 when Elijah Mitchell carries the ball 15 times. He is your your bell cow. He is your workhorse. If Elijah Mitchell touches the ball 20 plus times like I expect, even if Sermon gets a carry or Hasty gets a carry or Wilson gets a carry, if this Niners team can run the ball 15 plus times, 20 plus times with Mitchell, they should win this game. They should. This should be, I don't want to say a landslide because that's, disrespectful to what Dallas can do. It's not going to be a landslide. This is playoff football where every team's going for your head. They're going for the neck. They, they want you on the ground. They want you bleeding. They want you gushing. Like They want you broken and bruised up after this game on Sunday. And thankfully, that's what this Niners team does best. And where does that stuff start? I talked about how this game is going to be won in the trenches. Well, when you get someone like Trent Williams back, even if he has an elbow injury, which it may limit him, I don't think it will, but Trent Williams and Lincoln Tomlinson have only allowed three total sacks combined in 1,106 pass-blocking snaps. That's a 0.2%. 0.2, not even 1%. 1%. Like that... <laughs> Like what? <laughs> like that's as my as my chair creaks, my chair creaks more often than Lakin Tomlinson and Trent Williams can get have allowed sacks this year. <laughs> that's how good they've been. Even Alex Smack led all Niner offensive linemen. Even Trent Williams, even Lakin Tomlinson, who were phenomenal, he allowed per pass blocking attempt one pressure. One pressure in every 49 snaps. Almost 50 snaps, he allowed just one pressure. That led every single Niner offensive lineman. Like this game, and and I I know I'm a Niner fan. This is a Niner podcast. I do not want to sound like a homer. And I do my best to balance where Dallas can exploit this defense. Again, big chunk plays, big plays. But I also want to show you how this Niners team, this game on Sunday, 
by the makeup of both teams does favor San Francisco. There's a reason why Tom Rathman, who we all love Tom Rathman, said the Niners are going to kick the blank, the bleep, out of the Cowboys. Now, I'm not going to go into this game overtly confident because I know what Dallas can do. I know what they can do. But this game does favor San Francisco, even with the Dallas Cowboys, who have 189 pressures this year. Insanely good. Insanely good. They have one of the best defensive line, linebackers, edge rushers, whatever you want to call him, in Micah Parsons, and Demarcus Lawrence. This is a really good defense. A really good defense in regards to getting to the quarterback. But what they are bad at, a.k.a. run blocking, is the thing San Francisco is best at. And that, to me, favors San Francisco. Now, you can also flip that and say, well, what Dallas is good at is what the Niners are really bad at. And that's true, which is why I mentioned it. This game can go one of two ways, and for San Francisco to win their way, with their brand of football, and not having to have Jimmy throw 45 times for 300 yards and hope to have five touchdowns, this game allows San Francisco to play keep away, which is what Shanahan likes to do the most, keep the ball out of the opposition's best player's hand and limit what they can do offensively. Now, I want to talk about three of the biggest players in this game. That's George Kittle, Devo Samuel, and Trevon Diggs. Okay, starting with George Kittle. Last week I told you how if Trent Williams can't play, I would expect George Kittle to play this quasi-offensive tackle, kind of aid uh, the offensive line. He did that. He was really a non-factor in the passing game. And the Rams did a great job in tackling him. Uh, the play that comes to mind is the, the excuse me, the, 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 the third down in the red zone in overtime, got him at the waist, knocked him out of bounds. It was like third and one, third and two, Kittle went nowhere. Great tackle. But this week, I, I would expect George Kittle to have a much better game in the passing game. The Cowboys have allowed a 61 success rate on 8.5 yards per reception to in-line tight ends. Now, what does in-line tight end means? All that means is you are lined up next to a tackle. That's all it means. You're not out wide. You're not lined up as a receiver in the slot. You are an in-line tight end. You're on the line of scrimmage right next to a tackle. They've allowed a 61 success rate on 8.5 yards per reception. Leighton Vander Esch, who was supposed to be one of their top linebackers and is, for what it's worth, he's a good linebacker, but he does struggle because he is loud and has a completion percentage against him of 65%. Now, George Kittle, you're saying, well, Sterling, inline tight ends, all these high-end numbers, why are you saying all these things? George Kittle runs 65% of his routes as an inline tight end. It's coming together. You see, like, there are things San Francisco can exploit. Uh, Things where they can get their top ball handlers, their top stars, Debo and Mitchell involved, win the run game. And when you want to pass the ball to arguably and likely your best pass catcher outside of Ayuk and Samuel, obviously, the best tight end in football, 
and you want to complete those easy third down plays for Jimmy after you've had two successful run plays in a row, the Dallas Cowboys will let you have that and they will let George Kittle beat them. They've done it all year. The Niners have the scheme, the strategy, the ability, and they've been ex- executing the game plan to beat Dallas all year long. But there's still one more matchup we have to look out for, and it kind of involves Jimmy Garoppolo as well. So, Daniel Jeremiah made a really good point on the on, on his podcast. Uh, Move the Sticks, <laughs> Daniel Jeremiah. Um, he mentioned that the Niners aren't going to worry about Trevon Diggs covering Debo Samuel. They're not. Because what they're going to do is they're going to make Trevon Diggs tackle Debo Samuel. Why would you target one of the top cornerbacks in the league in regards to takeaways? You wouldn't do that, right? You wouldn't do that. What you would do is you would exploit a thinner, smaller, smaller framed cornerback who is more finesse than physical you would tell him, hey, why don't you go tackle a running back playing receiver who is having a career year, having an all-pro year, and who is one of the best yak players in the league. And to give you some more stats to kind of put this point even further in your head as to how San Francisco can exploit the Dallas defense even more so, Diggs has the second lowest run defense grade in the league among qualifiers. Again, I already said the Dallas Cowboys secondary was 31st in NFL yards after the catch per reception, 6.29. Again, I hope I'm proving to you that the Niners can win this game on Sunday. The Niners offense was first in yak per reception, 6.62. And Debo led the way with 10 yards of yak per reception. That is the best of any receiver in the last 15 years. And not to mention to prove and push my point home even further. The most catches with 10 plus receiving yards after contact this season. Can I get a drum roll wherever you're listening? It's Debo Samuel with 10 and George Kittle with 8. Folks, men and women... Boys and girls around the world, Dallas Cowboy fans, Niners fans, NFL fans, this Niners team has every, everything needed to beat this Dallas team. And this isn't a, well, if they do this, they win. Some of those things are, that can get a team out of their element. Like, had Dallas been a really bad pass defense team, this is an entirely different conversation because they're saying, well, the Niners don't run the ball very well, or excuse me, they don't pass the ball extremely well. They like to run the ball even more. No, no. What Dallas is bad at is everything San Francisco isn't just good at. They excel at more than anybody in the league. In the league. But if there is one thing that might worry you, besides the defense which can give up explosive plays like no other at times, whether it's Ambry Thomas or CeeDee Lamb or or, or Amari Cooper, there is one concern that I know many of you still have. And that one person is still Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, hear me out. Hear me out. 
I understand what Jimmy did against the Rams. You know I love Jimmy. I'm a huge fan of Jimmy Garoppolo. I am excited and ecstatic for him of what he did against the Rams, making that comeback. We know it was a 0.4% chance to even lead that comeback. They had a less of a chance to win that game than the than the Patriots in 28-3. Less of a chance, and they didn't. But I do not want to let the emotions of, you know, we won, we won, we beat the Rams at home, and the fans traveled well to just ignore what could be a possible issue. We know that Jimmy Garoppolo at times makes dumb throws. We just know that. We know sometimes he's turnover prone. And Jimmy Garoppolo this year has a .8 interception rate and a fumble rate of .2. If you can do simple math, that is a turnover rate of 1.3 times per game. Now, with Dallas having the most takeaways per game, I think like any fan, that would scare you. Because in your mind, you say, well, if if you're averaging 1.3 turnovers per game, and let's be clear... Jimmy almost had three last week. Now, Ramsey made a great play on the ball, but Compton also had a great dive to save the fumble. You cannot start out slow. And there is worry on third down plays, trying to get the ball to Debo, trying to force feed Kittle, knowing he can exploit an inline tight end formation. (laughs) There are worries of Jimmy... For the love of God, (laughs) limit your boneheaded plays. Despite everything you've done for us all year, despite going to the playoffs for the second time in five years, despite fighting your way back and battling your way back and back against the wall all season, there is a point where you could also, being Jimmy Garoppolo, end this Niner season. And I do not want to ignore that. The, the things Jimmy does really well, he can do that against Dallas. Because Niners can run the ball efficiently and effectively. It will allow Jimmy to make comfortable third down plays if need be. Make the easy throw. Find the, the receiver in kind of the soft zone you know, pockets of the defense. But, if San Francisco at one point gets behind, which they have seemingly done so in every single game this year at a certain point if the ball is in his hands I'm not saying with a minute and one second left down seven against the the Rams in LA I'm not saying that but if you're down early in this game and Shanahan like the Vikings game says let's let's take some chances early that's where things can become an issue because I already explained to you this Dallas team is super explosive offensively And if you give them the ball, you give them more chances than they would already be allotted, they will score. Because they are that explosive. They will hit you with deep pass, deep pass, slant route, 15 yards, 20 yards, 30 yards. And before you know it, you're down 21 to 10. You're down 14 nothing. And in your head you might say, well, we already came back down 17 nothing. Those things do not happen all the time. You cannot expect those things to happen all the time. Relying on situations like that, you can't do it. You will fail. Again, San Francisco, 
had a 99.6% chance to fail last week. By the grace of God himself, Jesus Christ himself, the football gods, that's how San Francisco won. Grit, determination. They flipped that switch. We all talked about how great that win was. That same scenario, if it happens on Sunday, cannot happen. They will lose. But thankfully, thankfully, this game, Dallas's weakness, favor Jimmy G, the Niners run attack, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and it also helps Kyle Shanahan. He can finally beat Dan Quinn's defense. And I think, I, I, I know Dan Quinn wants to win this game. He's having head coaching interviews. He will have opportunities to get back into the head coach seat. But Kyle Shanahan has his chance to not only advance in the playoffs, but also revenge that Dan Quinn 2019 loss against the Falcons. And we know Kyle Shanahan, he holds a grudge big time. That is eating him alive. Alive. And he finally sees his chance to not only hurt the Dallas Cowboys, but also revenge what he believes needs to be avenged. You don't want to leave Atlanta, lose to them in 2019, and then have to play their head coach in the playoffs and lose again. That is not what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. I think he will have um, the, the the visor on. He, he will have, and what I mean by that is, just like a snake, snakes will coil, they'll attack, and then they'll squeeze you to death. That's what I think Kyle Shanahan wants to do on Sunday. He wants to circle, coil around, and attack the Dallas Cowboys defense, and then squeeze it to death and choke it. I think Kyle Shanahan, people want to call Randy Orton the Viper. Kyle Shanahan has some Viper in him, and I do think we'll see that on Sunday. But with that said, we have gone for over an hour here. I want to say thank you to everyone who listened. I also want to let you know that we are now partnered with SeatGeek. If you want to go to this Niner game on Sunday, whether you're in Dallas or in the surrounding area, or you're in California, and you want to put some more red in those seats, Dallas Cowboys are trying to white out at AT&T Stadium. Use promo code in all caps, 49ers access. That's 49ERSACCESS, 49er access. Get $20 off your first purchase. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media. At 49ers.access is the Instagram. Twitter is at 49ers underscore access. Just reached over 1,700 on Twitter and just surpassed 10.3 thousand on Instagram. We're growing, and what a better time to grow than the wild card playoff round against the Dallas Cowboys. It's Niners and Cowboys for the first time since 1994. I'm excited. You're excited. I cannot wait for Sunday. Whether it's Jimmy's last game, I don't think it will be, because I do think the Niners win 27 to 23. I think this game is a gut punch. It's bloody. There's teeth lost. It is a game where Kyle Shanahan brings the Viper out of him on Sunday. He wants to win this game, not just because it's the playoffs, but because he's facing Dan Quinn again, and he wants his revenge. 
but it's going to be exciting, going to be awesome to see on Sunday. And like you, I'll be wearing my Red Niner jersey, hyping this team up. I cannot wait for Sunday at 1 o'clock. But until next time, and hopefully we're talking about a win, but until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the 49er Access Podcast, and stay faithful. Dallas, chillin' with my friends.